millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsok. And I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and we are here with some news and some cues and some Jedi Temple Challenge. We've got a lot of uh, more exciting news than we thought, because some came in right under the wire, right, Ken? Yeah, by the time you're listening to this, this will have been day-old news with a ton of speculation essays about what it might mean <laughs> for the show, uh, Cassie and Andrew. But we got some breaking in, uh, uh, Cassie and Andrew casting news literally dropped minutes 
before we would press record in this episode. So we're going to get to that uh, and more. As always, want to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A little bit later, as always, we'll have a Force Center recommends uh, an audiobook we think you should try out on us. And it, uh, yeah, it might be something we're going to be reviewing and discussing soon <laughs> here. As always, Joseph, we're going to be diving into our Star Wars and life adventures uh, because often those are the same. Uh, we'll- <laughs> What's been going on in your galaxy? <laughs> oh, my galaxy is going well. I got a lot of uh, different uh, writing and other project stuff uh, going on and all that kind of stuff. Uh, just trying to keep up with all of the weirdness of everyday life the way it currently exists. Uh, for Star Wars Adventures, I had kind of a, uh, a weird close to Star Wars Adventure, soon to be Star Wars Adventure, I guess, in a way. Uh, I'm mm. reading... This is important for me to tell you personally, Ken. I'm reading that Bob Iger book (laughs) that you kindly left at my apartment uh, for me to read. I'm reading the book that you own uh, so I can return it to you someday uh, from a socially distanced (laughs) space. I'll toss you a book from six feet away uh, with a mask on. But it was really fun to finally dig into that book. Um, I don't have a sense of how much uh, Star Wars fans have really uh, read the whole book rather than just those specific excerpts about the purchase of Star Wars and the relationship with George and all that. But uh, I'm really enjoying the book. It's really, really fascinating. Yeah. 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 (laughs) You you enjoyed it, right? I do. I do. I know. And I always say this and I I say this, I don't know, half, not even tongue in cheek. I I, I, I don't say this as seriously as, as maybe it comes up, but I know we're not necessarily supposed to root for CEOs. I get it. Uh, I've always said that. I just kind of like what I pick up, Bob. I'm not saying he's perfect and I don't work with the guy. So I don't know. Uh, I put that caveat out there. But I just I just like that the book does come from the point of view of a lot of mistakes and failures, that there's a lot <laughs> of that covered in there. And uh, I, I enjoyed that about the book. And there I think there's some insight. It doesn't go too deep into the Star Wars stuff, as as people might know. But it, it, I don't know. I just thought there was some good stuff in there. Yeah. Uh, Uncle Bob's an interesting character, to say the least. Absolutely. I thought it was just fascinating on multiple levels of, yes, it. the book could have been called, you know, it's called Ride of a Lifetime, and then it's subtitles like, uh, you know, 15 Lessons Learned Through Hard Something, Something, Something. I don't have it right in front of me. Uh, but but it, the book is composed of, I'm kind of walking you through my career to show you where I learned these lessons so they don't just come out as corporate speak. But I feel like the book could have been, to your credit and your analysis, Ken, I think the title of the book could have been, I know I'm the CEO of Disney, but also, please, I'm a human being. (laughs) It's trying, you know, you can tell that he does have a mastery of storytelling because it starts with something that says, yes, I do this crazy, insane, influential thing, but I am a human being. And here's a moment of vulnerability like that. The first the prologue is like both of those things at the same time. It's very, I think all, all storytelling is on some level manipulative because it is asking you to feel certain things. And there's a real mastery there of what you should feel as you start this book. Um, but for me, there's like this personal adventure because he, he talks early on about working on Sinatra's big comeback concert at Madison square garden. I'm a huge Sinatra fan. And he goes through how he is both, uh, personally responsible for getting Twin Peaks on the air and making (laughs) the bad decisions that removed it from the air uh, and marching towards Star Wars. So like, it's fascinating for me to read this, the life of this person who has uh, been involved in all sorts of things I love across pop culture for a long time. 
But then just as a Star Wars fan, it's really interesting to read some of his life lessons that he is learning and uh, pitching to the, you know, the Disney board long before he comes along to Star Wars that are very Star Wars life lessons. Like, you know, I'm, I'm reading the parts about how uh, his fight to become the CEO of Disney and how he had worked for Michael Eisner and people were mad at Michael Eisner uh, for what they perceived to be mistakes. And his, you know, mission to communicate to the board is, I have learned from the past, the past is valuable, but I must move on to the future. So like when he's like, when that's his whole, you know, uh, a- absolute uh, uh, mission statement in life, you have to think that when he's sitting down to give whatever notes he gives to the sequel trilogy, that those themes are not lost on him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The very layout. No, I, I, agree, I agree with that. Yeah. With so it's interesting to see like how many of those like, oh, that life lesson reminds me of a thing from Star Wars. Um, it, mm-hmm. and, and I think just in general as a Star Wars fan, and then I'll shut up about Bob Iger. Um, <laughs> we do, I think we do have, is a whole community sometimes we really conflate who is making what kind of decision, when and why. And just reading about, you know, the kind of job that only an incredibly small percentage of human beings is ever going to have and getting a little bit of a sense of, okay, what is that job actually like? And then in comparison to that, what does Kathleen Kennedy probably actually spend her day doing versus... J.J. Abrams or Ryan Johnson or, you know, all sorts of different people. I think it's a good way to get your head wrapped around uh, a little insight into how that level of the industry actually works. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't think at any point uh, Kathleen Kennedy came into an office and said, hold on, guys, 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 I was reading the interlude in Aftermath Empire's End. Can we? (laughs) I don't think she has the time. Not that she doesn't have the desire. Doesn't have the time. Yeah, and, and final note on that for myself. You know, I often when I get in my car and just go for a, I got to get out of my house kind of drive. If I'm not driving over to your house to hand you a bottle of whiskey through a car window, uh, Joseph, <laughs> um, often I end up driving a lot of times uh, by the Disney Studios in Burbank. There's also some offices in Glendale, and I think Kathleen Kennedy's out of those ones. Don't quote me on that. Iger might be out of all of them, quite frankly. But after that book, I think, and I just did this yesterday, Joseph, where my Sunday get out of the house drive for about an hour. I'll drive past the Disney Studios a lot, which I've been on a few times. You know, it's a lot. It's what it is. And just think, I think Bob drives here, too. (laughs) (laughs) He's the guy. He's like, he gets in the car. You know, he's sorry. I'm sure at some point he has a driver. Um, but also he's probably a guy that's like, don't worry, I'll go to the store. I'll get some milk for us. Um, <laughs> he has that kind of vibe. Uh, you know, and I've, I've one time, I think I've told the story, I met Magic Johnson, uh, was working a, a security for an event for him and he drove himself. And I was just like, Magic Johnson doesn't have to drive himself, but he, <laughs> and, uh, I worked, uh, with, uh, Rick Caruso, great, a big LA developer. Who's an interesting character to say the most, um, <laughs> he is definitely someone who has someone drive him. And I just, I think about it often when I'm on Riverside drive, passing the gates, the studio and think, I think, I think Bob drives himself. And I like that about Bob. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But my wife and I had a reason to take a trip to the Valley. I ended up getting uh, some takeout from Bob's big boy. Uh, We drove by the Walt Disney studios as well. And it is funny. It is just like, those are some buildings, but inside, (laughs) inside. Oh, Everybody's waiting for the scoops from inside those buildings. That's right. That's right. All those scoops. Uh, yeah. Anyways, well, that's a big adventure. Did you have more? Because that was, you know, Bob Iger's a big adventure. 
Oh no, no, that that those are the the big big talking points for me. And really, really enjoying it. It is a fascinating look into uh, who this person is. And like I said, that real divide between like, yes, I fully acknowledge I have an incredibly specific and unique path <laughs> through life and have made decisions that you know massively affect uh, culture. And uh, but also like I'm a guy. <laughs> And that's always a good perspective, too. It is. It is. I do want the Disney Plus series, Iger and Jobs. Just uh, (laughs) maybe Fassbender can play Jobs again in a in a my dinner with Andre type of series. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that would be great. So, uh, what about you? Did you read any books about uh, huge corporate figures? I I did not. I did not read any books last week, uh, uh, unless you count a couple of comic books. It finally came. From my comic shop, read the first couple issues of the new Afric comic, which is great because we did the big uh, review of the audio, audio drama last week. And uh, it's fun to kind of live with that character uh, and all those kind of things. But other than that, no, it's been a, a two weeks of where the, where the week kind of ends and you're like, I can't believe I did that much work. And it's all great fun work. Uh, let's let's be clear about that. But um, just just like wow like i'm burning the candles and i gotta stop i gotta just sit and play some battlefront not even stream it just play it for me <laughs> like that so it's been a fun crazy couple of weeks did but it did include some watching some star wars um i mentioned before like we watched rise of skywalker last week we watched last jedi last night at the time <laughs> grace is on this star wars tiktok corner kick and wants to see more kylo and particularly i'll see kylo with no shirt and watch she wanted to watch that but she she really loves kylo ren and, and the lessons and and the journey of ray and i just as i've said before she is a star wars fan and a star wars fan long before she met me but to sit on a couch with her and watch her just kind of react to the story of star wars and the sequel trilogy just from a very pure um doesn't know who any star wars podcasters are other than you or me <laughs> uh just you know has fun and it, and I I'm sometimes find myself removed by moments through her eyes, uh, and plus she's a you know she's a, a trained uh, sword fighter so she'll sit there, just mesmerized and loving the fights and loving Finn uh, her poor observation like John Boyega really knows how to do combat fighting on film and and you know, in, in the brief amount of time we get to see it she uh, loves that uh, so she did say that at one point yeah uh, she's like uh, I, I really like phasma i wouldn't mind learning more about the, ca- the character and I'm, I'm thinking maybe it's time to slide her that book for <laughs> um, but i'll say this we spent a lot of time talking about Iger. i always hesitate to do this in digital media joseph but I, uh, watching last jedi uh, a movie that I, I still say is my favorite of the sequel trilogies uh, sequel trilogy era though i love watching rise of skywalker more right now if that makes sense it does follow me along on that um last jedi it moves me on a different level though i cry in rise of skywalker more than i do last jedi <laughs> um but just kind of and and this is something I'm, I'm preaching to the choir not just you but our listeners but it is amazing to me when you when you, a few years now removed from this film to see just that every step of the way and this is a real just general rounding it up in a nice little package kind of analysis of the movie. And I don't think it's done with snark or uh, F the past or anything. I think it's done with Ryan Johnson going, Hey, if you stopped in the eighties on the surface of star Wars, because of the cool ships, which are there and the cool pew, 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 which are there and Luke igniting the green, uh, which was there in 83. If you stopped on that spot, I get you. I feel you. I got some moments for you, but everything you maybe thought, back then 
let's play with it and let's go deeper into what it means. And maybe let's kind of push back on the way you were raised to enjoy Star Wars, if that makes sense. And I just found myself continuously just in, in, enthralled by that. Uh, just him just going, a, new, a great action sequence where the hero wins. Oh, wait, but that was a big loss of life. And let's analyze that. Ah, let's grab the lightsaber and save the day. Nah, well, let's, let's go deeper and, and discover what that really means and how we view heroes. I just, again, preaching the choir, we've done hours of content around that. I don't mean it as a finger wag or a poking of the chest, but it just, I really think that's why that movie continues to just be so rewarding for me. Yeah, I know. I, I've come around to that, that specific viewpoint more and more in, and I even think of it as, you know, Ryan Johnson has said this movie is, you know, very personal. Kathleen Kennedy even said, you know, in that director in the Jedi, like what made the original trilogy special is these were ideas that Lucas really believed in and really felt passionate about. And that's what they need from uh, Star Wars creators to truly feel a personal connection uh, to the story they're telling. And I, there, there are some things, some themes in Last Jedi that I think relate to other themes I've seen in Ryan Johnson movies and have some like opinions and conjecture. But to me, the real personal part of it is almost him talking to himself of like, hey, you know, when I was a kid, these are all the reasons that I love Star Wars. It, is that good? Is that right? And I feel like the film does totally question all of these staples of Star Wars. But what always moves me about it is it comes around to, well, yeah, Miss Matter playing with action figures matter. Yeah, you should do big, risky, heroic things, but you should be really careful about when yeah both sides can perpetuate violence but both sides are not always perpetuating violence for the same reasons and he all of these themes and all this question of star wars is not to thumb a nose at anyone it's really to go hey this is what star wars seems like it's saying do i believe in that in the film comes around to yes (laughs) again and again and again yes these ideas matter and these ideas resonate and have power and, and to me that's what continues to make the film powerful yeah uh yeah absolutely it was a reward, rewarding experience uh again just watching it on all levels uh from the opening sequence which re- reminds me so much of memphis bell which is one of my favorite films uh, all the way to the end and, and what it means and how we did want luke to ignite that green and i was one of the ones who said it oh, i need him to ignite that lightsaber and join the fight and then realizing that's like the exact opposite of what he did in Return of the Jedi, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Almost uh, literally, yeah. But at the same time, you get what he wants. He ignited the blue, and he reconnected yeah. to his his youth. Yeah, yeah. And again, force uh, in our audience uh, generally uh, all uh, we cultivate a certain kind of uh, view of Star Wars in our community. Not that everyone uh, agrees. In fact, if you go to our Discord server, there's often very polite discussions on different interpretations of big moments in Star Wars and what moves you. And it's going to be different for all of us, which is part of the fun. That's why the Rebel Alliance is so interesting, right? Different points of view, perspectives, and backgrounds coming together for one goal. And that goal here is love and Star Wars. So that's been my Star Wars adventure this week. Uh, and that was yours. I loved yours as well. That's such a great... Uh, Maybe we'll do the big Iger discussion. Maybe we'll call up Uncle Bob and see if he can join the conversation. <laughs> um, I'm sure he has time for podcasts right now. The best. Okay. Uh, on that note, we are going to go into Star Wars news. And we, like I said, uh, had breaking news at the time of recording. Ah, it's old news by the time you hear this. But we're happy, for one, <laughs> to be able to talk about it 
at a show and not see it moments after we wrap up the episode <laughs> in our merry way. So this one is an exclusive by Justin Kroll over at Deadline. Justin Kroll is a uh, movie news reporter. He is a movie news journalist. This is his job. So it is not um, a vague tweet or some guy who told some guy who's told some guy. These are sources and this is uh, confident. They're confident enough to go with an exclusive at the time of this recording, a Disney spokesperson declined to comment. We'll just put that out there. Here's the news, Joseph. Adria Arjona is st- set to star, star, I says, opposite Diego Luna in the Disney Plus Star Wars series, based, as we know, around the Cassian Andor character that Luna played in Rogue One. We have uh, a lot of other uh, names in the cast. Denise Go, Genevieve O'Reilly, Stellan Skarsgård, and Kyle Soler. Uh, among those... No no talk on what uh, this is uh, in terms of the role, what she'd be playing, uh, good, bad, or otherwise, just that she's in the cast. For those not familiar with the work she's done before, I uh, am a true detective. I love season one, true detective. Um, I don't dislike season two as much as others, but I don't, I don't love it. She's, she was in that, and I got to be honest, I um, did totally forget. Um, and I had to look it up. But where I've heard her more than anything is she voices the character Ramirez in the video game Fortnite. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I've, I've hacked uh, some, some people with an axe in Fortnite a few times. And I've heard her voice. Uh, she also is uh, in the Amazon Prime miniseries Good Omens, among other things. So, all right, Joseph, let's discuss what this means and wild speculation time. Yeah, wild speculation. I'm with you on True Detective. Uh, I really, really love season one. Uh, and, and season two is is a, a very fascinating piece of <laughs> uh, entertainment. I am on her, the character's uh, fandom page, and I still don't remember the character she played. But right. I don't remember <laughs> thinking, wow, that person's not great. She has a re- she has a great resume, so she looks like an incredibly uh, solid actor, even though I don't know uh, her particular work uh myself uh even though i've actually seen it but i think this is great news um i think one of the the things that has been discussed discussed about the disney plus series is you know ha- having diversity and being excited for diversity and uh, and this far in the process uh cassian and our series had been very uh, male focused so it's great to finally get some of this casting news um for representation of women in the cassian and or series and i'm just i'm so excited for cassian and really intrigued. Uh, I think this character could be absolutely anything, but if it's a co-starring role, it makes me really interested in, is this somebody who has been in Cassian's life for a long time? Because that would be a really interesting way to ratchet up the tension. And uh, I think one of the questions that I will be interested in this series is, we got to see uh, Cavian uh, kill poor Tivik there, but you get the sense that he has done lots of awful things and there have been lots of compromises in uh, trade for this greater battle against the Empire. So mm. it would make sense and be interesting to me if there is somebody that he is close to in some way uh, who doesn't make it to Rogue One and does he feel responsible in some way for that. Or somebody who walks away, uh, mm. you know, from the rebellion that he's close to. So those are some of the places that my mind goes. Yeah, I'm, I'm on board for what you're pitching there. That's a really interesting, having some kind of um, close personal loss or uh you know something it is at his hands is is interesting because you, the, the, the tivic thing a name i will never forget after losing <laughs> the contest over that name despite knowing it uh yeah that that moment is it, it it pays off in the movie of the things i've done but to know that there's more and i just love getting down to that 
potentially a nitty gritty, dirty kind of uh, how you become a rebel. Though I still want some fun moments <laughs> and I think we're going to get it. Uh, I don't want this to be the first totally grim and dark Star Wars, but I think it'd be hard not to have a lot of that just going into his past and how intense Diego Luna plays Cassian Andor at times. But I also like to see what he was before that, what he was before. Uh, you know, he can't remember six, seven was when he joined the fight. Right. But was there any six time? years old? Six years old, Right. Uh, like I, I'd love to see a little bit of that as far as what she might play. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I know there's uh, speculation now. It should be. No, he was born in uh, Mexico to, to look at Mexico, raised in Mexico city. She's, she's born in Puerto Rico. Uh, let's uh, be clear that there's uh, there's a difference there. But she was raised in Mexico City, um, but uh, uh, her father's a Guatemalan singer-songwriter. So I think it's just important to know because I'm seeing just blanket, uh, oh, it's a sister. Like, eh, well, could be, could be, could be some yeah. uh, way to do it. Um, but uh, to me, uh, siblings in Star Wars is something that's interesting and powerful uh, and, and has been played with before. I don't know if I necessarily need that. Love interest could be possible as well. I don't know. I haven't, yeah. put, I haven't put the casting into a box yet. No, <laughs> me just, neither. I'm just yeah, excited yeah. for the series to move forward. I am too. And I think um, just for me, genre-wise, I think a, a love interest of any kind is interesting to me because, they're, again, I think this series is really dabbling in espionage and i think that is one of the things there's a reason that love interests come up in espionage because espionage is about this dividing line between your private self and your public self and who can you trust and and living in kind of a horrible world and desperately needing to trust someone and be vulnerable to somebody but not actually being able to and that Mm. stuff makes love interests extra interesting um, and then also just going off of, you know, I still don't know how much of an influence the Americans is going to be on this yeah. since the original person who pitched it and still mm-hmm. one of the main creatives uh, comes from the Americans. That's one of the things that makes the Americans really, really electrifying is these two spies who have this really difficult life and are really trying to have something even close to a functional and loving relationship. And it's clear that they do love each other, but they are tied up in endless amounts of horrific baggage while Mm. trying to love one another and you get great drama from that and sometimes you get some great comedy from that speaking of you know not having it just be all uh dour and and you know super serious all the time that i think there's some real possibilities for both comedy and drama when you got a love interest yeah you know i was thinking you could (laughs) i don't want it to be this everybody this is why i'm not writing this series at all uh but you know like uh maybe maybe they are a couple and maybe he's spying for the rebellion and she's spied for the empire I'm just putting a bad pitch out there, Joseph, but there could be some weird elements, but there's also some kind of emotional push-pull. She also also could be, you know, an agent for the Empire hunting him down. I don't know. Like I said, uh, we're having fun speculating, but uh, just excited to get, because Luna, there was a little clip, little interview or something going around a couple days before of him saying, yeah, we had started working. We're not quite back up and running, and I'm in no rush to get shooting this uh, yet uh, until we until we get the pandemic stuff kind of worked out on how to go forward with productions underneath that um, umbrella. Uh, so, uh, you know, just good to get some news that, yep, they're still thinking about this, and, and, and we're going to get this at some point or another. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm hoping for very, very soon, but we will see. We'll see indeed. One thing we are going to see soon 
Vader Immortal is coming to PlayStation <laughs> VR on August 25th. The game, of course, was uh, out and about last year. And as Joseph, Joseph and I have uh, disclosed and discussed previously, we have yet to ever touch it. Um, had some opportunities, but the lines were too long. And, uh, you know, I don't even wait for food if the lines are too long. All right. I go to, I go to an open hot dog stand. You just storm um, out of that 7-Eleven. You're not going <laughs> to wait that long for a hot dog. Yeah, I should wait a little longer there. Um, but, uh, hey, here's some information on it. Uh, just in case you want to break some lamps in your living room, uh, swing of virtual lightsabers, all three episodes will be sold as a single purchase story for $29.99. That's price to go. As we know, the series was well-received, takes place between episode three and episode four, introduces a lot of characters. There's that one character, what the bishop I know about or seen, uh, that looks really intriguing, and I think some of it does uh, attach to little elements in other starts, parts of Star Wars storytelling. So, Joseph, the big question is, is this finally our chance to play it? Are you going to get a PlayStation VR uh, hat? Is that what they're called? VR hats? And, uh, yeah, VR cap. Yeah, it's got yeah. the goggles and then the yeah. beer holders on either side, you know. Exactly what it is. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about this news? And uh, is this finally the time? Yeah, this was, I, I think just the way you wrote up this news got me really uh, engaged and curious. Uh, first thing was I, I watched that trailer and I was going to write down, I would break the lamp in my living room. And then I saw that you had written that down in your notes. So <laughs> <laughs> it true. does look dangerous. It does look very, very dangerous. Uh, I also looked up the actual price of the VR thing and it's, you know, uh, $30 is great for the games. Uh <laughs> The <laughs> VR hat is still $230, so maybe not uh, anytime soon. But then I just, you know, I got sick of not knowing. So, you know what? I just went and I Googled the story and I read it on Wikipedia. Right. And I'm glad to have experienced the story. I would love to play the game. It looks incredibly well made, incredibly immersive, just like great lightsaber swinging, lamp breaking fun. Uh, but I'm happy to just know the story for now. Yeah, I've got to do that. I still, that's why I'm being vague in my notes. I'm not just not spoiling. I just don't know. I have never looked it up because they're in the back of my head. I thought, well, what if I play it? I've got to face, and this news story makes me really face the fact that I probably won't play it. And why? You just mentioned some of the reasons why. Uh, <laughs> you got to save my allowance for other things right now. And and then even them, I just don't know. I this is This makes me sound totally old, but like, I loved sitting on a couch playing video games and zoning out while my baseball team tried to win a World Series title, uh, or I storm Scarif uh, or uh, Yavin Four. I, I don't want to get exercise from my video games, is what I'm saying. Uh, standing <laughs> around, uh, I just don't know if, the, if I have the play space for that. So I, it, it, it's one of those things we've talked about before. Some of the VR stuff and some of the the, the, the VR game last week the, from based on uh, the adventures on Batu. Like just Googling a story and knowing, knowing where it fits in the Star Wars story and getting some of the points. It could be a comic. Maybe it's a book you don't have time to read. I still think that it's okay to remind ourselves of Star Wars fans with the amount of content we have. That is okay. You can still feel plugged into Star Wars if you just skip some of these and get the get the gist. Yeah, I think that is a good time to uh, use the Star Wars lesson of letting go. You can't uh, necessarily experience absolutely everything and leave some room to dream. Um the, other, the one thing I, I did want to uh, yes. say about the trailer is yeah. that I didn't realize that Vader was voiced by Scott Lawrence, uh, yeah. who's also, of course, in Resistance. And damn, I think that is a great Vader voice that Scott Lawrence mm. does. Um, mm. And I'm happy that lots of lots of different actors get to have a uh, crack at uh, these legacy characters. But man, for other things that Vader is appearing in, my vote vote would absolutely be Scott Lawrence. I think it's great. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Re resistance uh, is 
uh, shows showcase it well. Uh, yeah, I was just I was hung up on your uh, leave room to dream. That's a <laughs> great four center bumper sticker. That we um, next story. Let's dive onto it with a big giant um because yeah, we're we're gonna talk about this. We've been talking about it. Uh, getting ready for this book series, Thrawn Ascendancy, the Chaos Rising uh, book will be coming first. New part of a trilogy. IGN released a little excerpt of the book. And I'll, I'll, I read it, and that's about as far as I got, Joseph. Uh, but we also <laughs> got a list of the characters, uh, dramatis personae. How do you? You're a, you're more of a theater guy. Is is personae persona? Uh, I think persona. Uh, I think, okay. but I don't know I'm why. Not, theater, I don't know. I don't know why theater would. You know, I I just immediately think you're more elegant than me, and I'm not. <laughs> I'm not wrong. I'm I should know how to pronounce this, but uh, yes, I entered theater uh, from the uh, from the alley of theater, and sometimes there's some things that uh, I did not go to theater school. I did not go to drama ah, school. Yes. Uh, I, I shoved my way into theater from sketch comedy. So every once in a while, like I remember, I, well, the first time I got hired to do acting in a uh, Shakespeare play, uh, which was because the I had cast the director of that in one of my comedy shows, uh, I said one of the main characters of Shakespeare's uh, uh, Midsummer Night's Dream, Dream Wrong and everyone laughed at me. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, my time in theater, uh, including one Shakespeare's play, it, it, you know, uh, all right. Uh, and you entered through the back door, I climbed in through the window. <laughs> nice. Came in through the bathroom window. All right, let's just run down what we got here. And jokes, get ready to make the jokes. Uh, in fact, our listener, Mark Canope, whose name we struggle to say all the time because I, I, it's just a thing now. He actually posted in the Discord server to, to me, Joseph, if you think saying my name is hard, don't wait. <laughs> try to say this. <laughs> Here is great. a list of the characters. Thrawn, uh, which, as we know, is Mithran Rudo. I've never heard it said that loud. I've only read it my entire life. Yeah, it's got to be in the uh, audiobooks. Uh, yeah. yeah. Mithra Naruto? Mithra Naruto. I love that Palpatine insists on saying that way. Ziara, uh, who is Ira, Ir Ziara Lani. Uh, she's from <laughs> Irza Family Blood. Uh, Thrawn's from Myth Family Merit Adoptive. Oh, boy. Thalius, Thurfian, Samarco, uh, they all <laughs> got carried by the eagles to Smog's castle. Uh, General Bakiff, Sherry, who's a Skywalker. We're going to talk about that one. Kalori of Uundulun. Oh, my gosh. She's a Pathfinder. Uh, Nonchis. General Yves the Benevol Benevolent. The, uh, can't even say the one word that I should <laughs> at this point. Uh, we're not done. tongue is so tired. Yeah. Uh, benevolent. Uh, we did just family ranks. We have blood, cousin, ranking distant, trial born, merit adoptive. The nine ruling families are Upsa, Iriza, Dasklo, Clark. I think that's Upsa. I think that, that's a, an F. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I'm, I, I have the picture up on the, let me, oh, oh, God. You know, when you click on it, the picture gets bigger, Grandpa. Uh, yeah. Upsa is something Jar Jar says when he sits wrong. Um, Plick Bodil Myth Obic and the final one here Patriarch uh, Political Hierarchy Patriarch <laughs> Speaker That's simple Speaker It's a chief syndic of the family God bless it Zon Zindic Patriarch <laughs> Counselor Aristocrat A mid-level member of one of the nine ruling families Okay 
We're going to make some jokes about that, Joseph, but we are going to talk about the things we're looking forward to in this series. <laughs> uh, the reason is it's been, I don't know, it's, I think people, if they listen to Force Center long enough, they know that though you and I really do love the character of Thrawn and enjoy Timothy Zahn's place in Star Wars, uh, we don't gravitate to his stories, uh, canon or otherwise, as much as we do other stories. Fair to say, right? Yes. Um, but in keeping in, in what we preach ourselves, you know, we want to celebrate all Star Wars and I'm trying to find and, and not trying, I'm finding what I'm looking forward to in this Thrawn series. So we're going to dive into that. Joseph, that out of the way, awkward names out of the way. What's your thoughts on what we read and what we learned from these character reveals? Yeah, no, I mean, I got uh, so many thoughts. I think uh, this this uh, dramatis persona, uh, persona um, is great because I think it's just owning what uh, I think what is true about this trilogy. And I think what you and I are trying to have a sense of uh, humor about is this is full zon full thron there's no no half thron half zon here this is uh in in my opinion my taste zon has always drifted a little bit more to the science fiction side of star wars than the space fantasy side of star wars this is his opportunity to go deep on that since he's off in the unknown regions building up this uh, whole world this whole background that he just gets to go all in on this kind of stuff and i think there are people who Love that because they started Star Wars uh, with the expanded universe books. Uh, and there are people who are so excited for like, yes, give me complicated names and political <laughs> hierarchies in as many apostrophes as possible. Yes. Uh, and there's those of us who are, that's not our first love in Star Wars. And I th but I think it's within the spirit of Star Wars to have a loving sense of humor about it, which I'm really enjoying. I like I enjoyed opening this and going, oh, man, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there was some of that. Yeah. Um, in terms of what I'm excited about, um, the I guess I'm intrigued by that uh, excerpt because it was very, very standard Thrawn stuff to me of he's, uh, you know, lower in the Chiss Ascendancy, but he's making all of the exactly right calls that are really brilliant that nobody else can see. And people are like, ooh, Thrawn shaking their fists and then going, oh, oh, I see. You did a brilliant thing. So that's making me wonder if we're going to see Thrawn fail or stumble at all, or this is Thrawn is already brilliant. He's already fully formed. And this is just really about the politics and tactics of his uh, ascendancy. Or if there is going to be a little bit of a young Thrawn actually makes a mistake. Yeah. I'd be really interested in, in that kind of thing. And not that, I mean, Thrawn's yeah. I, 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 at times next to perfect in the end we see uh, in rebels, uh, he certainly doesn't have all the bases covered. Nope. Uh, he did not predict space whales. Did not, did not. And I uh, would be intrigued in that. I'm definitely interested in, look, the unknown regions in which uh, the Chiss ascendancy is. Uh, I'm intrigued by that. I'm not expecting there to be any other kind of uh, revelations of places like Exegol or or uh, House Palpatine of the of the spirit world or anything weird like that. And I know it's set before that time, folks. Uh, or Sith Eternal or anything, anything like that. I, I'm not. Um, but anything that gives me more clues to the unknown regions and their view and understanding of what they hear about the galaxy at large, I don't, again, not expecting that, not expecting to, we've received a report from the High Republic or wherever this is set. I, again, I know it's not 200 years before, making jokes. Um, but so as a Star Wars fan, I, I am ready to get some canon answers of what is out there. 
Yeah. Why? Yeah. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, I, I like the mentions uh, of all of the horrors that the First Order had to face as they mm-hmm. grew in the unknown regions. And I hope that it's not just other technologically advanced species, but I think some, like, real horrors that the Chiss have to deal with would I would really love. Yeah, that'd be, yeah, yeah. That'd be great. Yeah, don't go, don't go too far towards that border in space. And the yeah. monsters get you. Um, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of that. Um, and then the, the, we're both intrigued by the Skywalker side of it, which is what they call force sensitive, force users, so to speak. Uh, I really love learning more about that, and that's something I don't think I would have wanted years ago. I think there's something about. And it's weird because it is that legacies, a legacy of Luke Skywalker book that is a little wild at times and definitely can be taken, uh, you know, I don't know, with a great assault on some of the stories. But I think overall, the big message of that book, I am drawn back to a lot about what else is out there and what Luke might have learned about those who are connected to the Force, but just don't necessarily call it the Force because they don't know to because they have their version. That's interesting to me as a Star Wars fan. Yeah, that is the thing that I am absolutely most interested in it was a thing that before we got any of this information about Thrawn Ascendancy that I hope they'd follow up on because it was some details from the the previous Thrawn trilogy and I was so thrilled to see it in this list because to me it's like yeah the, the force isn't a uh, government it's not a faction it does it doesn't have a border the force isn't like oh unknown regions can't make it through there right you know nope. uh, in the story of this galaxy to me it or this galaxy, or the whole universe, the existence of Star Wars, the Force is a presence everywhere. But of course, different cultures are going to have different names for it, different understandings of it, different philosophies, different religions, different uses. And I love that they touched on that of like, well, yeah, there, there's this, you know, this Force that uh, that some chess can tap into when they're young, because yeah. that gets into what is interesting to me of uh, Zahn and Thrawn's love of rules and and technicality and what can be known and that you can defeat somebody by the psychology and you you uh pitch to starboard this many degrees and that conflict between the uber technical and needing to let go and be more flowing and organic and spiritual in order to tap into the force so a uh a person like thrawn in a society like the chiss that are very technical only being able to understand or access the force up to a certain point is fascinating to me. And I hope Zon really dives into that. Yeah. I'm not creating, uh, um, um, I'm not connecting this directly, but in hearing you talk, I'm like, yeah, it's like uh, Spock having to suddenly deal with emotions, right? Like this, yeah. this idea and, and, and getting to know again, I, I, I do, I own Heir to the Empire, the trilogy. I've read them, I love them, and, and I have so much gratitude for what they did with Star Wars. They kept it going during a time where Bendems was about the only thing we got from Star Wars, right? I, but to really see Zahn and what his understanding or his view of the Force is now, or always was been, uh, has been, I, I'm, I'm interested to see that. Uh, yeah. talked often about, you know, Obi-Wan, poof, gone, I'm not with you anymore. Like, you know, different times as the Star Wars uh, fans, even in the early 90s. But to see where Zahn feels now and, and how he can uh, explain it and explain it to a culture that maybe doesn't understand it or doesn't have the same view of it and, like you said, just kind of has their focus elsewhere. Interesting. 
Yeah, yeah, and I think it's it's really interesting. It's a thing that I wouldn't have liked previously, but I really like. I think many years ago, but I think really making Skywalker a oh, there's there's something deep to that name that you know has origins, you know, in different parts of the galaxy, different parts of the universe. Uh, that is really deep root word. That's a real Star Wars idea to me. So I, I'm excited by that. I'm also excited by the merit adoptive as a family yeah. rank, um, that it is the lowest in part of Thrawn's name, which suggests a little bit of, you know, an underdog story that he uh, had to rise up uh, in respect in the right. just, uh, people, which I think this story is going to be about. But also just the fact that the word adoptive is in there. That's something else that's tying it to me to deep Star Wars themes of your family isn't just blood and that seeing that through... Uh, Thrawn and Zahn's perspective, that idea, I'm also really intrigued by. Uh, yeah, there you go. This book uh, starts, the series starts real soon now, real soon now. We'll be diving into it here on uh, Force Center. Uh, Star Wars outside the borders of Star Wars. Here we go. Going to be interesting. Uh, that is a look at the news for now. A lot of other things. And yeah, we know last week there was uh, the earnings call. We dubbed them kind of uh, Iger cons over here. We didn't get uh, the big Star Wars scoops that some people were expecting. Not that we really thought that, but, you know, I wouldn't have been surprised if some news came out. I know there's a lot of talk, Joseph, about the Mando season two trailer. Mm-hmm. We're going to get it. We're going to get it. I'll just say this. It's nice to not have to have that be a story we cover all the time about is this the week we get the trailer (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah that that is not pointing at anyone out there it's pointing at things i used to have to do at another job so it's uh it's nice and we're going to talk about it when we get it it would make sense though celebration would have been uh did you ever thought about this joseph we'd be a couple weeks away from checking into our anaheim hotels to go into star wars celebration yeah, I'd be going to another convention in Minneapolis, then uh, Anaheim, then I'd be uh, going to Atlanta for Dragon Con. So very, very different times. <laughs> different times indeed. That is it for uh, the news look. We're going to take a quick break in a bit and uh, for, for a bit and talk about Jedi Temple Challenge and get your questions. But before we do, we have our Force Center Recommends, an audio book we think you should try out on us. And this week, Joseph, it's homework. Wonderful homework. <laughs> Delicious, exciting, fun homework. That's right. We are recommending Poe Dameron Colon Freefall by Alex Segura. That is uh, the new Poe book that is exploring his young, roguish life with Zori Bliss or Zori Wynn. Who is that? We're going to find out. Mm-hmm. We're going to find out indeed and download your free audiobook. Do it today. Go to audibletrial.com slash force center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash force center for that free audiobook. All right, here we go. We're going to take a break. On the other side, your cues and a final look at Jedi Temple Challenge for now. Stick around. This is Force Center. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138.
Hey, Four Center fans, don't forget, Four Center is on YouTube. Head over there to catch up with our new show, Star Wars Show and Tell. Joseph, Jennifer, Ken, and special guests sit down and share favorite items from their own Star Wars memorabilia collections. Plus, there's the In Memoriam video series, encore presentations of Databank Brawl, and special programming all there for you, and more shows on the way. It's Four Center on YouTube. Check it out. And we are back here on Force Center. And Joseph, breaking news, breaking news. <laughs> I'm not Joseph anymore. Uh, at the t- again, this is funny because this is as we record this on a Monday. By the time people listen on a Tuesday, this will just be funny to look back and see our live coverage of a day old story. Um, <laughs> during the break, uh, confirmation has come from Adria Arjona's own Instagram page. She she uh, put it in a story. She put a, a screen uh, a screenshot of the deadline story in her Instagram story. I'm saying that counts, Joseph. Absolutely, what? that's confirmation that she believes that she and her uh, her reps believe she has the job. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, oh yes, yes, yes. Uh, when uh, as you and I were talking off air, when those reps start leaking stories. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Good stuff. Hey, good stuff. We'll count that as a confirmation. And, uh, you know, I get, you know, all right, we'll see. All right. Yeah. Well, StarWars.com is the, our final. Is our That's final, right. Final That's final. the final one. But I am excited for forward movement and excited for this actor. She looks great uh, in terms of what her resume is. And I'm excited to see who she will be in the world of Cassie and Andor. Indeed, indeed. Let's look at episode 10 of Jedi Temple Challenge. We've had a lot of fun. Looking at this series, uh, we have a lot of fun with this series just existing. A lot, a lot of just uh, good times of, of kids swinging and pulling fruit, Star Wars fruit, <laughs> off of trees. We're going to look at this 10th uh, episode, but also just kind of talk about the series overall. Is this, this is the final one and what we hope is season one of the show and that more will come. Uh, the teams this week, Sage and Raphael were the blue team. Quentin and Braden, the orange team. And Zoe and Malaya, the purple team. And uh, they had a pretty spirited game. This was a good game overall, Joseph, to close out the series, right? Incredibly, uh, yeah. The, these They were all great competitors in the physical challenges. This is probably the most suspense I've had in the second challenge. And mm-hmm. in the third challenge was really uh, nail-biting as well. I did a lot of nail-biting, which you want to do in a competition <laughs> show like this. A lot of nail-biting, indeed. I had this thought. One of my favorite things is we start to look back at the all of the 10 episodes. I love those weighted backpacks. It's one of my favorite little details <laughs> of the game because, you know, it's hard enough to sit down and, and all arm strength and maybe some core strength, pulling yourself, pulling your weight and actually the weight of your buddy. If, you, if you're, uh, you know, you guys are trying to get across a gorge on, on the pulling, uh, pulling the lever there. Uh, but the weighted backpacks have, have, have reared their beautiful, ugly heads several times this series. What do you have any uh, favorite uh, game details? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so many great details. It was clearly made with such love. I I like the weighted backpacks for the just the sudden shock that clearly pulls a lot of kids over. (laughs) They rear their ugly heads downward, um, the weighted backpacks. And it's a great little like you could see it as a little Yoda reference of like, this is a big part of Jedi training. It always has been. You got to carry a backpack. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But I I love the um, 
so many details I love, but I like the big foam in the uh, in the garbage uh, shoot in the Jedi Temple. That uh, is a wonderful callback to that's what the actual uh, trash compactor was stuffed with in the old Death Star toy that I coveted so much uh, back when I was a child that it came with all that foam. I mean, if you actually got to play the game, there was Joseph crying in the foam. I just <laughs> have joyful memories of uh, a toy he never got. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And and I just I I like that the final challenge in the Jedi Temple uh, is balanced that on that little balance board. I love the aesthetic of that bridge. It's so Star Warsy. Uh, and then patience as you wait for your crystals to slowly rise up after you've put your holocrons in. I'm glad you mentioned that. I've always enjoyed that. I, I definitely enjoy that. It is a, a final bit of tension, final bit of pacing. And I don't think, to my memory, I don't think it hurt anybody. But if like if you get through the entire competition and you're waiting for your crystals and you run out of time there, I might uh, throw my weighted backpack around at the, at the judges. And be Absolutely. Like, yeah, that's unfair. Imagine like you're going to become a Jedi, but the Snickers doesn't come out of the snack machine fast <laughs> enough. That's what it feels like in a beautiful way. But like you said, it is a final lesson of patience before you become <laughs> a Jedi Knight. In the second round, all through the season, we got those great stories. Uh, Kevin Scott did a lot of the writing on the stories, a lot of cool little references, little Easter eggs within those stories. This one, this week, we got a we got a good one about a smuggler named Jacko, and he wrote a book. He wrote a book, A Smuggler's Life. And we know there's the Calrissian Chronicles, Lando recording his video podcast, apparently. Uh, we know that paper is sometimes there in Star Wars and sometimes not in Star Wars, depending on how old your book is. I just love this idea of this smuggler writing his own book, self-publishing a smuggler's life. <laughs> what, other, uh, what Star Wars characters do you want to write their own life story, Joseph? Uh, what immediately came to my mind is a book uh, called A Life Rethought by Elon Slezbegano. <laughs> <laughs> Looking back at his poor choices, a pivotal encounter with Obi-Wan Kenobi. And then, you know, what did he what did he rethink when he rethought his life? I love that. Uh, I want I always call call R2D to the droid who knew too much. I <laughs> I want that book. I want him to finally be like, I'm writing the tell all book. I was there for it all. And here's the truth what happened and maybe we'll clear up some of the myths and legends around star Wars. I, I'm not saying I want R2 to suddenly go rogue or be upset about his, you know, uh, writing this book from a, a point of, um, you know, evil or ill will, but I, I, I think it'd be interesting to get R2 story. I'm mean, just listen to what, how he describes Octo to Luke, you know, <laughs> and, and all the stuff there. It would be a colorful, colorful book, R2D2, the droid who knew too much. Yeah. Would you buy it if they produced that, but it was all written out as beep, bloop, squee, swallow? Yes, yes. And we'd have to find a way to translate it. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I have this question. I finally hit me after watching second rounds for 10 episodes, which I love because they're on board the Athelia, which is a fun little ship. I love the design of it. And I'd love to I'd love to just have a couple moments inside pressing buttons. Uh, small life goals I have. Do you think the losing team in round two just gets sent to an escape pod and launched back down to Jedi school? I think this is one of the harsh truths of Jedi Temple Challenge. I think they're marooned. I think they are left. <laughs> on the first land, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, they're putting an escape pod in there. They're jettisoned and they got to find a way home. That's part of the continued training. Exactly. 
Keller and Beck's up there all nice. Your journey is not done. You're still going to be Jedi Knights. Get out. Get out. <laughs> Go find your way home. I love that there. Uh, so one of my favorite part uh, each week is seeing who might fall to the dark side. There is an actual real tension in that, and it was a nice touch in the way they use it, even though some kids are just like, nah, 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 and then the ones who go right away, you never know how they're going to be affected. It's a good game strategy, but also a big, valuable Star Wars life lesson point. Uh, going forward, should we uh, get season uh, two and beyond, do you want to see the dark side incorporated even more, Joseph, and, and maybe some ideas on how? Yeah, yeah. I, I love the balance of the show uh, that is it, it really does successfully communicate, I think, ideals of the Jedi while also st- keeping it, you know, uh, safe and family friendly. But one of the things that I would be interested in seeing if there's a way that Darkseid could explore is uh, selfish versus selfless, um, because the show does a great uh, work on uh, teamwork is important. And I love the way the dark side is used right now is like it's the quick and easy path it's almost literally what yoda says is translated into this game so if there's any way that you could (laughs) without getting too dark about it like you could advance but your partner would be left behind or something like that uh that would get into the the selfishness of the dark side would be really intriguing to me is there is there a safe way to do that that'd be that'd be interesting and then then the um each each episode has a choice at the ending. It could be Yoda going, mm, "You're a Jedi," or it could be a a, a, a new Sith apprentice. <laughs> I I want Whitworth to actually show up. I want him to be on set in a dark rogue, and he just starts hacking you with a lightsaber, and you got to defend yourself or join up. I don't know. <laughs> you just want the Sith Temple challenge. You just want yes. the total different show. <laughs> yes, can we get the spit off? Let's do it, Sith Temple challenge. Love that. Uh, in closing, man, what are our thoughts on uh, the series, Joseph? What it brought a lot to Star Wars, um, and uh, maybe how does this inspire other outside of the box type of Star Wars show uh, that uh, might come down our path? Uh, what do you think about all that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think for myself, just uh, we talked a lot about the different parts of the show that we liked over these ten weeks. I think one thing I really wanted uh, to highlight because I really appreciated it is it totally feels like a summer show and I would have appreciated and enjoyed that regardless. There's just something about it. I've seen other people talking about all of the different game shows, depending on your age that it reminded people of. And there's a summer or two when I watched remote control on MTV, you know, incessantly. And it, it reminded me of that. And I, I particularly appreciated that this year, this weird year that we're all going through a lot of years in my life, the thing that really gives uh, summer definition and gives a whole year definition is going to do specific conventions that I can't go do. Uh, living in Los Angeles, there's less definition than I've had the the rest of my life uh, living in Minnesota where there are, the seasons are more distinct. So it was really nice to, to sit down every time I watched it and it felt like summer. And that was a really nice thing for me personally. Um, so I wanted to be sure to, to share that. In terms of what it inspires in Star Wars, um, I think the fact that, as you described it, outside the box, it's a little different than the kind of content we've seen from Star Wars before. And I think we talked last week about the numbers, that it's doing really well on YouTube, and it's clearly connecting, means I would like to see more outside-the-box stuff like this. Um, one of my favorite parts of the show has been the stories. So I would love, even if it was just this kind of really simple animation and you cut back and forth from that to the storyteller, I would love some short, you know, if it's Keller and Beck in and, and 83 or... Uh, you know, Maz Kanata, like they use from they use Maz for some framing devices for when Forces of Destiny was broadcast on television. I would love just like a Jedi story time. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, just his own little sub. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. It's own little, like, real simple show like this because those stories were all really successful and really fun. Uh, I forgot to mention how much I love the lightning farming. Like, mm-hmm. there were some, like, great Star Wars ideas in it and some great fun stuff like this one with the Jacko and <laughs> the Smuggler's yeah. Life. So I'd love to see more of that. Yeah, right there with you and all of that. I mean, overall, this series just helped, you know, bring simple joy to Star Wars and take take you back no matter the age to where you were when you first fell in love with Star Wars, if it happened, if you were younger. I know some of you sometimes uh, it happens where you're a little bit older, uh, and that's a great entry point as well in a beginning of your own Star Wars saga. But for this one to, to take me back to being seven, eight, nine, ten, where I probably would have been dreaming about competing into the show, uh, you know, and, 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 and to, and to just kind of celebrate that part of star Wars. So openly, honestly, while also having some fun moments and lessons, I uh, love, we both love how yeah, Ahmed best was brought back into star Wars through this show and how it just was perfect for him to be with the kids again. And, uh, I hope it's step one. I hope there's more. And I think, uh, the, the fan art of Keller and Beck that you keep seeing posted online, the custom figures, I definitely hope that's not uh, this is not the last of Keller and Beck that we see or 83. Uh, give me an 83 doll as well or LX as well. Uh, give me give me that three pack. Uh, but oh, I hope yeah, they go on a little bit more beyond just Jedi Temple Challenge. That'd be kind of fun. And as far as outside the box, you know, you touched upon something early in the show, uh, Joseph. Uh, this is a team versus team versus team thing and uh, competition. Great. Uh, powerful lessons can come out of that. But what would you say, taking your idea, Joseph, of making a, just kind of an adventure game show where you have maybe four people having to work together to different to, to get through an, an adventure uh, yeah. and get to the end goal and, and, and how that can work? I don't know the details of it. I'm not a game show master there. <laughs> uh, maybe, so, maybe you do lose some members along the way. Uh, how dramatic uh, that would be. But, you know, just like four people working together to complete a goal. And can you make that uh, as, uh, as a series? I think you could, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the huge reasons for, there are many reasons for it, but to me, I think it's one of the huge reasons for the huge explosion in popularity of Dungeons and Dragons and role playing in general is it's sort of, it's the the team against the story. Um, And I think some version uh, of a show like Jedi Temple Challenge that really embraces that of like, here are six Jedi, can they make it through this challenge together would be really interesting. Um, And then even on uh, a different level, it would be fun to see like um, uh, the Jedi self-improvement challenge <laughs> as a, a show for adults where it's just like, you know, can you, uh, can you adopt these uh, deep Jedi philosophy and, you know, uh, try to make your life better and have agency over your life. Jedi self-improvement. There you go. We got a whole series. <laughs> uh, that's good. It's been a lot of fun uh, looking at Jedi temple challenge each week. Uh, no uh, word on Second season, obviously, right now, kind of harder, uh, hard to produce those uh, kind of uh, properties. Uh, but uh, we'll get somewhere down the line, and hopefully, uh, it uh, it can come back. If on the off chance it doesn't, which I can't see why the numbers look to be really good on YouTube, like you said, uh, if it doesn't come back, I, I still think everyone involved gets to really hold their head high for putting something just really fun out there into the Star Wars fandom. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I think the final thing that I wanted to say is that I agree with you. I think, uh, you know, the return, the triumphant return of Ahmed Best is one of the best things about this. I love how much he loves the bladed hand. And I would seriously be all in for an audio drama in a short, you know, an anim- a one-off animated film, a comic book, anything 
with some more uh, bladed hand and just really get to see that character shine. Yeah, uh, that is a good idea. All right, that is a look at Jedi Temple Challenge, which means now it's time for the cues in our News and Cues show. What are the questions this week? That's right. Let's uh, go to Q-Town. <laughs> uh, we uh, <laughs> we uh, always uh, do some questions from social media and some questions from our patrons on Patreon. So we're going to start this week on Twitter. We have a question from Ryan Bullock. And Ryan says, if you were in the Star Wars universe, who would you want as a mentor to guide you through life? Can this this is we've gotten variations of this kind of question, but this is very specific. A mentor for us, not who was the mentor, best mentor in Star Wars, not who screwed up the most. Who would we want? So yeah. where does your mind go? My mind go. I have three choices. All right. I'm going to cheat and I can choose just one. I've got three choices. Uh, I'll do this here. Um, we've been talking about him a lot on the show recently, but also just we talk he, we talk about him a lot. And he pops up a lot. I'll say this, Dexter Jester. And you think I'm joking. You think I'm being <laughs> just an ironic hipster Star Wars fan. No. Like, I love the concept of going to my local diner, sitting down for some Ronto Jacks or whatever he's serving, and getting some advice from a good trusted friend. It's like going to your bar and you form a friendship with the bartender. Like, and the bartender's been around the world. I, I, I really do... Love that idea. It's why I think I always come back to that sequence. It's why a lot of databank brawls are set in the diner. <laughs> it's just a <laughs> it's an interesting real world concept to me that, yes, gets made fun of a lot. And I, I know it's maybe over the top and it's very clear what George is doing there. Uh, but I just love it. I love the character. And there's something really soothing and relaxing about it. his voice. And it's just like I, I could sit and dine and, and get life lessons from Dexter. Yeah, yeah, it is the, like, fantasy of, uh, you know, it's a diner, but a little bit, like you said, the bartender. And it's got a little bit of that great Star Wars theme of, you know, everyone matters despite what it appears on the outside. He looks like, you know, some <laughs> weird old chef who can't even keep his pants up. And yet he knows things that other people do not because he has wisdom. Yeah. Uh, and then my other two choices, I thought long and hard, Joseph. I went to all parts of the Star Wars galaxy and for some reason, my mind, you asked me where my mind goes, my mind went to Rise of Skywalker. And my two choices are Lando Calrissian, kind of post-Episode 9, and him looking back on his life and mistakes, and again, kind of just, just in that final moment with Jenna, which is a big, I think, really big, deep moment uh, in, in a small little blip of a scene. Uh, but there's just some calm and comfort and wisdom there as well. And someone who wants to make a difference, but perhaps has some things in his past that, that, you know, not that he's not proud of, but he's a little haunt. Lando's a little haunted at times too, mm -hmm. a little bit. So uh, I'd love to just hang out with him too. And then I'll go uh, spirit Han, which, Ooh. you know, would mean I'd probably have to have done something to Han for him to go around <laughs> and haunt my memories. Um, as a big Han Solo fan and as someone who has grown up with Han, and first started liking him because he was the cool guy in the cool car with the blaster and the girl and all those kind of things that appealed to me when I was younger to watch him just kind of struggle and find out more of him as a character in this new era of star Wars. Uh, not just, I don't just identify with him being a little grumpy. I mean, that's definitely me, but struggling to stay connected to who, you know, you can be. Not just joining the fight. I think that's just on the surface of Han, but just knowing who you can be, but knowing it it it's a it takes you to an uncomfortable spot and you have to continue 
to fight against your nature, to run away from that. That's something that is is important to me. And to have Han, not, not you know, he can put, I you know, I'd like Han to put his hand on my cheek there. Uh, but um, <laughs> to have those kind of conversations with him would be good and valuable for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, you know, Han is in his older life. I think aware that uh, you know emotions uh, and being close to people are the challenge for him so it's sometimes comforting to get advice from somebody who is coming from that perspective of you know it's one thing to get advice from somebody who's like yes i am an emotional open book and sometimes it's a little more helpful to be like get uh, advice and wisdom from somebody who's like yeah this is hard for me too um yeah i, I joke about uh han's uh man grunt on the bridge in return of the jedi ah he's going to turn away from Leia. But I, that affected me as a kid. And that example of you can just get mad and frustrated and assume you know what's going on with the other person and walk away. Or, or even as a kid, you know, I couldn't, I wouldn't have been able to articulate it. It was clear that that was a difficult and a different choice for Han to turn around, right? And yeah, uh, uh, yeah I want advice from that, Han. Of like, in that moment when you said, ah, started walking away, you know, how did you do it? How did you turn back how did you turn back yeah Indeed. all right oh who's on your list yeah um well you know it, because we were just talking about him i would happily take some mentorship from the bladed hand uh, <laughs> uh i really really like the character that uh, ahmed best is sort of developing in canon and even what we see on jedi temple challenge there is something about i really gravitate towards any jedi who has you know, the sort of Jedi wisdom, maybe even just like a drop of uh, Jedi ego, a drop of Jedi pomposity, but also mm. has that sense of humor of like, look, I've been around the galaxy and, you know, the, there is a regardless of your species, we're all a part of the human condition and we all kind of struggle with similar things. And I think that's the sense of humor that is brought to that bladed hand role. So I'd happily take some mentorship from the bladed hand. Uh, and then my other choices are uh, Leia. Um I think Leia is one of those people who is uh, wise beyond her years because of her dedication to uh, to responsibility uh, and how much she has trained uh, to be the queen of Alderaan, and that doesn't work uh, out, and she becomes instead this other kind of leader of a rebellion and of politics. But by the time we get to Rise of Skywalker, she is a character who's so aware that mentorship is what her role is. You know, obviously in Last Jedi as well, she's extremely aware of that. Um, but I would argue that she is maybe one of the most successful mentors in Star Wars. She clearly, Last Jedi has a lot about her mentorship of Poe to be a leader. Um, yeah. We don't get to see a ton of it on screen, but I'm always really affected how Finn's connection to the Force is this uh, empathy that he can sense things, that he's aware of things. And that's where Leia's natural gift with the Force seemed to always express itself. So, uh, you know, and there's some stuff in the Rise of Skywalker novelization too about the connection there. And then uh, a huge part of the reason I love Rise of Skywalker so much is the depth of meaning in that relationship between uh, Rey and Leia and how much Leia was able to give Rey the mentorship she needed. So it seems like Leia is really able to draw on all of her different experiences, all of the different uh, people that she has known in life, and to really figure out what her mentees need and give it to them, uh, to mm -hmm. give them the specific mentorship they need, instead of just like, here's my five lists <laughs> of right. uh, 
five uh, five bullet points on the list of how to be awesome. Like, no, she sees who people are and what they need and, and helps them become who they need to be. And I think it's even telling that um, even though she lost her son uh, to the dark side for a while, that she never gave up hope in that she was always the person that could bring Kylo back to the light, the person that he could never face, you know, I think says a lot about her. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's great. And then my final one is Obi-Wan Kenobi. I know, yeah. I know. He made a lot of mistakes. He made a lot of mistakes. Uh, but just like you kind of uh, comparing some of your uh, your own uh, emotional reality to to what you see in Han and how you experienced him, I think it's one of the reasons I, I gravitate toward Obi-Wan is, uh, you know, I relate to him being uh, all of these different things. He can be uh, cocky. He can be grumpy. He can be a little kind of defeatist sometimes. Uh, but there's such that core of, I just want to, you know, take a deep breath and look at the galaxy and see what it needs and see what people need. And I want to do my best uh, to just help. So I feel like if you had Obi-Wan Kenobi as a mentor, he would uh, maybe be grumpy. He would maybe be snarky, but then he would take a deep breath. He would try to be very helpful. And you would also end up spending a lot of time at bars and diners. And that would make me happy, too. (laughs) And then you can hang out with Dexter and you and I would both be happy. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, great question, Ryan, uh, and a lot of great options for great mentors in Star Wars. We're going to move on to our next question from Brandon Smith. And Brandon says, my dream Star Wars content would be a Band of Brothers type limited series on Disney Plus highlighting a group of soldiers. Which era would you want to see something like that set in in any battles or stories you'd want them to touch on? Yes. Uh, yeah, my, my answer is going to be pretty boring, Joseph. It's going to be pretty boring. <laughs> I think we've got some of this already, especially uh, in um, uh, Shadowfall and Squadrons and and uh, the other book from Alexander Freed that uh, you and I haven't read, The Twilight Company, first Battlefront novel. Give me the Galactic Civil War, give me some rebels on the ground, and take me all the way up to Battle of Jakku. I'd love to get some stuff on the Battle of Jakku. I I thought I did I I did think about this It's like clones yeah well we we kind of got that already uh, it, it, in parts of um, the Clone Wars cartoon uh, we might get more of it in Bad Batch I know it is exactly what uh, Brandon is suggesting with that Band of Brothers type of show you're not gonna do the battle droids I guess you could uh, <laughs> somewhere else the Jedi uh, soldiers in some kind of war in the past uh, the First Order Resistance War is a little different to me. It's a little different to me. It's not as fully formed of a war, if that makes any sense, as the Galactic Civil War was. So to me, that's just the place to go. And I'll take it. Follow follow the Pathfinders. Yeah, yeah. How do you feel about this other question that Brandon asks is, any big battles or stories you'd want them to touch on? Because there has now been a lot of stories in Star Wars where the characters do weave in and out of well-known battles. Um, you know, everything from video games to Lost Stars. There's, you know, there's a little bit of element of that even to Alphabet Squadron of, you know, different big battles that uh, characters are aware of or experienced yeah. that. That is a little bit of the uh, the gift and the curse of the Galactic Civil War is that dance of how much do you insert them into known events? Yeah, we, we have gotten a lot of it, but uh, if we can do it live action in a, in a really concentrated effort, maybe you could weave some of that in, you know, I'm not saying you need uh Iden Versio to pop out from a tree or singe to uh, <laughs> be aiming down on Leia, but you, you could get all of that kind of stuff. 
So yeah, there's a delicate balance, does delicate balance, which is why I do go to the Battle of Jakku, which we have got a lot of. We've got a lot in different parts. And to see it maybe all coalesce there. I mean, you know, I'm intrigued by uh, Gina Carano's uh, Cara Dune character talking about how after the war changed and, you know, um, uh, having to yeah, garden dignitaries and do that kind of stuff. And, 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 and to, to take a character like that and go into it, hell, maybe it's her story, you know, maybe mm-hmm. she leads that kind of, maybe you get a little bit more into her squad. Uh, I would be, I would be interested in that. And yeah, maybe a little bit angling more towards Jakku or the, the time period after Endor, maybe it comes out of Endor and you could have some room as we're seeing with alphabet squadron, you're having some room to tell other stories in the battle. Yeah. I think you're, I think you're pitching something really good there of basically what alphabet squadron is doing really successfully of you get all of the benefits of that, uh, the galactic civil war era that we know well, the ships and the characters and the events. Um, but, they're also a little bit of free of the really big, well-known events. Uh, so you can just do Alphabet Squadron, but it's boots on the ground. Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and, and this question came in from Brandon, you know, a while back because we're uh, still uh, wrapping up uh, the last round of questions we got on Twitter. Uh, and it was before the Bad Batch announcement, which, you know, Bad Batch is not the same thing because we are picking up with them at this very specific time at the end of the uh, the Clone Wars. But it also made me intrigued of like, you know, could we get flashbacks? Because there's a lot of adventures that the Bad Batch had that, uh, you know, we don't know about during the Clone Wars. So we might be getting a little bit more of that vibe. That'd be really interesting. I agree with you. The Galactic Civil War is a really rich place. The I would still like mo- more that is happening with the First Order uh, Resistance mm-hmm. War. It's a short and very different war. And we got a little bit of it with Star Wars Resistance. Um uh, seeing a small group of people caught up in that we we definitely have that in the whole story of Vi Moratti across uh, both of the books the novels that she features in but I would be interested to see if you could do a story like this that has that focus on this small group of people and what do they go through and just honestly set it on one planet that is resisting the first order that's you know yeah. set between the last Jedi and rise of Skywalker you know, is it a, a, a planet that has uh, resources that the First Order is really trying to take over? Um, and I think that there's still a lot of possibility in these stories that zero in on specific characters and the scale of what they're fighting for is not as big as all of Star Wars with the whole galaxy at stake. Uh, but the stakes feel huge because we're getting to know these characters really well. So I'd be interested in that. I'd be uh, interested as well. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah, and someday, of course, we'll we'll learn more about those all those wars that happened back in the day with the Mandalorians and the Jedi and the Sith and all that stuff. Nice and juicy. Uh, great question. We're going to move on to our questions uh, from our patrons on Patreon. The first one comes from Will Culbertson. Will says, so I've been thinking about the idea that the sequel trilogy was always designed to have one of the original trilogy heroes to be the main focus of each of the three movies. Seven is Han's movie, eight is Luke's, and nine is Leia's. At first, I just assumed it was a creative and financial decision that was made early on to help shape the arc of the new trilogy. But I'm starting to wonder if there was something more in terms of story and symmetry. From a certain point of view, there is a mirroring there in the way the original trilogy handles three of the main characters from the prequel trilogy. Four is Obi-Wan's movie. Five is Yoda's and six is Anakin's. Now, granted, that certainly wasn't done intentionally, given the timing of how the movies were made. But to me, at least, it adds a sense of balance and structure to the Skywalker saga that I find very appealing. Do you think any of this was taken into consideration during the creation of the sequels? 
has a great observation, Will, about that uh, potential symmetry there between uh, the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy and how it handles the previous generation. Ken, what do you think of this? Do you think that was taken into consideration? And, and do you just like this, thinking about it this way? I, I like just thinking about it this way, whether or not it was completely taken, in, taken into consideration. I don't know. And we definitely have heard some of the stuff, uh, especially with the unfortunate passing of Carrie Fisher, of like, ah, nine was supposed to be her movie. And, and in many ways, it still is, especially in the spirit of what Will's describing. New Hope mm-hmm. being Obi-Wan's movie. Yeah, we know it isn't his movie, but his presence hangs over all of that movie. Yoda's presence hangs over all of Empire. And then Anakin, not Vader, but Anakin, his presence hangs over all all of return of the jedi so all that does kind of work for me uh to the level which they did it on purpose i don't know but what you and i have discovered joseph is we continue to dig into star wars and what we continue to be rewarded by is just a lot of times if these stories i want to say done correctly but you know what i mean like when you really get to the themes and the lessons and the emotional canon and all those little buzzwords we toss around here in force center when you get to that down to that level, you find that the Star Wars story just kind of connects itself naturally. If if you're doing if you're doing it right. Again, I, I hate saying right or correctly, but you know what I mean, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think if you're you're leading with why are we telling these stories what you know lessons to 12 year olds of all kinds <laughs> yeah. uh, are they trying to impart, then natural rhythms start to come out. Um so yeah. I think that's true. Um yeah, I think that it's an important thing for me, and I think it's it's baked into Will's uh, question here, is because we live in a time where we want to hear from creators. A movie comes out and, you know, it's officially premiered, it, you know, comes out late night on Thursday, officially premieres on Friday, and by Saturday, you've got a sit-down interview with the creator telling you everything about why they did everything. And I think because we live in that culture, we can get a little, uh, we can focus entirely on intent. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, intent isn't everything. So I think that there's great value in Will's observation of just analyzing the films as texts, as just things that exist, exist in these connections weren't intended, but that doesn't mean that they aren't there. And that doesn't mean that they don't have value. Um, it's a much larger discussion about, you know, how much something should be weighted of based, you know, based on intent of the creator versus just how they read and how they affect us. And, you know, I know as a creator and people and, and having studied other people's creations, sometimes you make something you don't intend at all for it to say this thing. But then you look back at it and you're like, oh, holy crap. <laughs> I did not <laughs> intend that. But that is obviously at least one legitimate reading of what uh, I created, you know? I I just had that happen to me personally, Joseph. I uh, do a little more of a scripted comedy podcast now on Saturday nights, and I did a, a f- kind of a fake outtake reel where all my characters treated uh, the producer of the show badly, which is a fictional character. And one of my uh, valuable listeners and supporters, Sarah Risley, uh, wrote, so this had to be, she tweeted out, this has had to be very therapeutic for you uh, as uh, someone who has produced things or worked with other people. And I, and I was like, nah, and I thought, oh God, she's right. <laughs> <laughs> so the stories are there. <laughs> the lessons yeah. are there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Things emerge sometimes from our, our subconscious, depending on, you know, what kind of beliefs you have about the creative process. And then also just sometimes somebody else, the audience brings something 
or time, like in this example, time brings something that could not possibly have been a calculation of the creator, but yeah. it's there. And, and it matters that it is there in the text, regardless of what was intended by the creators. Yeah. And um, Will didn't ask this, but I broke up uh, seven, eight, and nine by seminars at conventions or panels, if you will, I guess. Um, <laughs> episode seven is not running away from the call to action with Han Solo. Uh, episode eight, discovering the power within you with Luke Skywalker. And episode nine, how to be who you are and become a leader with uh, Princess General Leia Organa. Uh, you can sign up today. Zoom class. <laughs> Ken is busy making that money. He has learned some lessons about optimism and charging into the future from reading Bob Iger's book. Um, yeah, I think for me, the other side of, of Will's great question that I wanted to touch on is uh I feel like from little bits and pieces, if we want to talk about creator intent, that they had this rough outline from Lucas that had, as we know, several of these beats about Luke being upset about, you know, the the Jedi killer and being in hiding and uh, some similar stuff with Han. And I think one of the huge creative decisions of The Force Awakens is in order to give full room to Han's story, we're not going to catch up with Luke until the end, which then sort of by default the second film becomes Luke. So to me, I think it's really interesting that the choice, the choices, the creative choices that led to the sequel trilogy, having a Han movie, a Luke movie, a Leia movie are all about wanting to try to spend more quality time with the original trilogy characters. And I love that relationship with, um, with the original trilogy because yeah, absolutely. It's Obi-Wan, Yoda, Anakin. That's a great way to break it down. But we don't spend a ton of time with those characters. In the sequel trilogy, clearly had this mission to say, yeah, we're introducing a new generation. And those characters are going to have arcs and, and, and lives and lessons that they need to discover. But so are the original trilogy characters. They're all going to have these arcs and storylines. And in order to give them room to breathe, they each need their own movie. Absolutely. And it worked out just well. Yeah, yeah, and still just uh, amazingly uh, wonderful and powerful that uh, Rise of Skywalker ended up being as much of Leia's movie as it clearly is, given all those challenges. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so great question, Will. Great thought starters. We're going to move on to our final question from Jake Jones. Here's what Jake has to say. There's a headcanon topic I've been thinking about for weeks now, and that is the fate of Kamino after the Clone Wars. Correct me if I've missed something, but I don't think there's been any canon on the cloning planet post the Clone Wars until we get a possible link in The Mandalorian with Dr. Pershing, certainly not a Kaminoan or a Kaminoan, depending on how you choose to say it, sporting a cloner shoulder patch. My question is, do you have any headcanon on what happened to Kamino after it fulfilled its use for clone production? For myself... It pains me to come to this conclusion, but I believe it's possible the planet met the same fate as Geonosis. The planet was raised, the population wiped out, and the whole thing covered up. Any tech and research taken with it was to be passed on to the Empire's finest minds and possibly being put to use in Emperor Palpatine's grand plans. Great question, Jake. Lots of juicy stuff here. Uh, I did some double-checking on old Wikipedia, and the only mention of Kamino is there's a brief mention of it in the Vader comic, uh, in the Charles Sewell Vader run, uh, there's a discussion that the cloning facilities are being shut down. Right. That's right. 
which you could then imply they shut down and then Topokan City is being blown up and dropped into the ocean. <laughs> could yeah, be yeah. the subtext of that comment, but not fully confirmed by canon. So, Ken, what do you think? Uh, is this a this is a great uh, headcanon discussion of the fate of Camino, right? This is great. And yeah, don't take those M- Imperial press releases at face value. <laughs> Uh, great question, Jake, but even better answer, because as I was reading this, going over uh, the, the outline to make my notes this morning, I just was like, I got two sentences in. I was like, oh, like Geonosis, and then got to the rest of his question. <laughs> answer. Yeah, that's that's it. That would absolutely be it. Palpatine, you know, would love the technology. Clearly, he's interested in uh, cloning technology, but I am just it makes perfect sense. Just traces of anything, anything in the past. Uh, Zyphidius, uh, him doing it, but uh, Django and Django's connection to Dooku, Dooku's connection. Palpatine doesn't want any of that out. Uh, we know, uh, you know, we got Tan Wee and, and Lama Su working with Shock T and everyone in the Clone Wars training uh, the, the clones after the events of Attack of the Clones, right? So there's some conversations that could be had off the record. Palpatine doesn't want any of that. So boom, gone, unfortunately. Beautiful world, uh, interesting culture. Uh, I, I love Camino, just the way it looks. I think it's gone. Yes, I think one of my favorite levels on Battlefront 2 is perhaps <laughs> been destroyed. There's uh, so much great stuff in this question. I think one of the things that I really love about the entire storytelling of Palpatine's plan is, you know, we, we focus on the the big stuff of, oh, uh, yeah, he turns Anakin to the dark side. He masterminds uh, Order 66 and wipes out the Jedi. But uh, as we'll see when we're going through the, the Clone Wars on our rewatch and the Clone Wars report, there's a bunch of explicit storytelling in the Clone Wars animated series uh, that is Palpatine gobbling up every means of power. He takes control of the banks. He takes control of the courts. Any resources or means of production, he wants to take care of that. The Zillow Beast pops up. He wants to find out how that works so he can turn that <laughs> into a weapon, possibly. You know, he wants everything for himself. He doesn't. He's not going to let anybody have any other power. Yeah. In, in the cloners on Camino certainly seem like they have some kind of power. So I think he would want to wipe it out, as you're saying, Ken, to cover up his tracks. But I think he would also just want to take all of that technology, certainly for himself, uh, and not let anybody else have it either. Um, mm. The other thought that I have from this great question uh, of Jake's is I would love more storytelling from Camino in general because uh, Dexter Jetster, which this is just the Dexter Jetster episode of Four Center, um, <laughs> You know, he says, like, they're cloners, right? So I, I always want more storytelling of, like, who else are they making clones for and when and why and all that? Yes. Yes. Uh, and because of that, because they're set apart, you know, uh, you know, uh, farther away from the galactic core and all that, that they are a little bit more savvy. Like, the Geonosians feel like they just get manipulated and, and caught up in the machinery and quickly ground to dust. Right. I would think that if the Empire wants to take out Kamino, that's going to be a harder battle. Like, I like the idea that, uh, I don't know, Lama Su seems like a guy of like, of course, I have known from the second you placed the order that you would eventually try to take yeah. our technology from us and wipe us out. So here are these, you know, like I know we've seen Kamino invaded in, in the Clone Wars, but uh, yeah. do they have some sort of technology? Do they have some sort of insurance? Do does the Empire manage to wipe out the planet, but the Kaminoans escape, you know, to a different planet? Or do they hide out? Like, I feel like they are powerful enough and smart enough 
that they would be ready for this. Mm. Yeah, I like that idea. It's part of, it's part of the part of the cost of doing business as a client. Right. Yeah, like oh, we we get a sense of who we're dealing with now. Uh, let's come up with a contingency plan of our own. Yeah, you got to have those contingency plans. Just ask she Palpatine. That's right. So I want to see Camino colon contingency plan. <laughs> There's another story to tell. Another story to tell. But for now, we have told many stories and we've answered many questions. Thank you, Jake. Thank you, Will. Uh, thank you, Brandon and Ryan. I'm sorry that we don't have Frank Oz to say all of your voices, like on Jedi Temple Challenge, all of your names in his voice. Uh, but we thank you nonetheless. Those are our cues, Ken. Thank you for the cues, everybody. And if you have questions for us or want to join the conversation of, of this episode, just go find us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. Use the hashtag Force Center. We are on Facebook as well. Like our Facebook page, where our Instagram, YouTube podcast is available on Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. We do have merch available. You want to get an emotional support Porg t-shirt? Do it over at tpublic.com slash user slash center. Wear it and make Jennifer Landa happy. Uh, Patreon.com slash center is your spot to support us if you so choose. There's a lot of different levels to choose from, including the top tier. We'll get you a exclusive set of Force Center trading cards designed by the great Brian Ward. Uh, we also have our own things we're working on. Uh, you can go over to KenNapsuck.com to get information on all the things that got going on there. We always like to highlight uh, charities and uh, spots uh, to donate, causes close to the heart's of us here on a personal level. This one is recommended by Force Center listen, uh, listener and Patreon member Chad Benefield. Uh, it is Stronghold Freedom Foundation. You can go to strongholdfreedomfoundation.org for more. Short uh, and uh, short, short version of the story, Chad and many were du- deployed to a base in Uzbekistan known as K2 during Operation Enduring Freedom. And uh, a lot of toxins have been discovered there. And Chad himself has lost three of his unit to cancer and 10 have currently been diagnosed with cancer. So their goal is to get the Veterans Administration to recognize K2 uh, for the toxic environment it is and to provide the medical and financial assistance those veterans require. You can go to strongholdfreedomfoundation.org for more information. Joseph, what do you got going on in your world? Yeah, yeah, it's a great, uh, great uh, organization to highlight. That's awesome. Um, for myself, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw, and you can go to my website, josephscrimshaw.com, for all sorts of other uh, adventures, my uh, comedy albums and comedy book and other podcasts and all that. Uh, I would still like to highlight Vote Forward. There's a place where you can sign up to write some personal letters to voters to encourage everyone to use the power they have. Don't let anyone take your power from you. Use it to express your views. And if you want to do that, you can go to Vote Forward at votefwd.org. Do it, my friends. And thank you for the support. And thank you, Force Center fans, for letting Joseph and I uh, and Jennifer, when she gets uh, back in the regular, regular rotation, just kind of sharing things close to our heart while we also discuss Star Wars. Big episode. We got to discuss breaking news, finally. And we hope you all enjoyed it. We'll see you next time. This was Force Center. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.